I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake. I'm Dr. Aaron Eugwin McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Hello. Welcome back to my show, the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. You made it to episode 86, and my guest today is none other than Emily Abbott. She's a four-time CrossFit athlete, was at the height of the sport of exercise for so many years, and then she turned her attention to a more sensual side. She's you know, lived her entire life as a, as a premier athlete, from basketball and I mean, I think she was like division one basketball. Like she was a, f- a phenomenal athlete her whole life, got into the CrossFit world and then decided, what am I going to do long-term? And that's when she started turning her lens on the energetics versus just the physical, which is why I'm so attracted to and drawn to what she does. She's currently training as a licensed acupuncturist and on her website, emily-abbott.com, you can see all sorts of amazing things that she's into now. She um, qualifies herself as a psychedelic gypsy. She's got all these recommended books on her um, website, and she sells a variety of sensuality toys, sensual toys, let's say, jade yoni eggs, quartz yoni eggs. She's got wands for inside the vagina, for targeting the cervix, um, a, a real plethora of incredibly delightful toys to not just spice up the bedroom. I think everybody thinks that they, you just pornographically use these tools to like jack each other off. I think that what's most appealing to this work is that really Emily is, is not looking to necessarily just help people connect with one another in the bedroom. It's actually really about connecting with yourself. And I've got an upcoming interview here with Jade Bryce who um, who has a similar path. She's studying Tantra, etc. And this is very much in alignment with what Emily's doing. Um, the psychedelic gypsy, former CrossFit athlete, Emily Abbott. So you can find everything that she does at emily-abbott, A-B-B-O-T-T. In order to, to learn a little bit more about how somebody goes from being a force of nature to a source of like inner well-being and, and knowing... So I'm very, very much looking forward to, to this conversation. Um, we've got four sponsors for this episode. Sorry, I um, was sipping on my Organifi Gold. So why don't we just talk about Organifi Gold? I mentioned it in my last episode. Organifi makes all these products, right? I've talked about their vanilla protein. I've talked about their red juice, which gives you energy. Well, Organifi Gold is really a way of, of promoting rest and calm and and easing into sleep at night, which is why what I'll do is I'll take a scoop of it and I'll mix it with some heavy coconut cream, blend it up with one of my little frothers, and that is like my evening beverage. I've cut back entirely, no more alcohol, because it disrupts my sleep and I'm trying to optimize sleep because I'm juggling so many things right now. So a scoop of, of um, 
of Organifi Gold has turmeric, lemon balm, some reishi mushroom, turkey tail, both functional mushrooms that support you in so many ways, help you rebalance your endocrine, your um, immune systems, etc. It has some ginger, coconut milk. There's some some Ceylon cinnamon and some magnesium. You know, we're going to talk about bioptimizers, but magnesium is this really great um, aid for easing into sleep at night. So if you want to try out Organifi Gold, go to Organifi.com slash Beloved. You'll save 20%. Can't recommend these guys enough. I know Drew Canoli, the owner, and he is a fantastic human, like really puts his heart and soul into this. And I definitely love supporting people like Drew and products like, like Organifi. Fit for Birth is one of our perennial sponsors. I'm so fortunate to have found James Goodlatte and his team at Fit for Birth. They train coaches with the specific knowledge and insights around the physiology and anatomical changes of pregnancy and postpartum. So yes, there's plenty of coaches out there. Yes, many of them are very big and strong and they've got great abs on Instagram, but were they trained specifically on coaching women on nutrition and exercise in pregnancy postpartum? It's unlikely unless they're a fit for birth professional. So whether you're a woman who's pregnant or postpartum seeking a coach or you're a coach out there looking to broaden your toolkit in order to personalize and optimize the care for your female clients, you can go to getfitforbirthallspelledout.com slash beloved and you'll save 20% on any of their courses. Or if again, if you're a client looking for a coach, you can also save um, on those offerings there as well, 20%. Immune Intel AHCC. I can't really get over this product. I had never learned of anything like this in residency. The story is, and we'll talk about HPV specifically, because Immune Intel is um, it's made from the mycelia of shiitake mushrooms, and it's used to, it has a wide variety demonstrated through clinical research of immune-regulating benefits for all sorts of things, including cancer, liver disease. It boosts your NK cells, your T cells. It helps them you know, c- communicate with one another. It also regulates your adrenals, your stress hormones like cortisol, and it decreases systemic inflammation. Why is that important? Well, specifically for my female clients who have persistent HPV, the story is you have HPV, it doesn't go away because you're not sleeping enough. You're not supporting yourself through diet, movement, and all, excuse me, all the other lifestyle factors. So this HPV continues to work within the cells of the cervix, slowly causing those cells to stop listening to their internal dialogue. The cells grow a little bit out of control. They develop into precancerous cells, and then they develop into, into, into cervical cancer. The good news is that from the time that of the original HPV infection to full-blown cervical cancer is on average 15 years. That means that if you are proactive and you get, you know, get your hands on the the right, uh, the appropriate additions to your lifestyle in order to help support your immune system to learn from the virus and clear the virus, then you're going to be okay. If you don't do that, you you buy yourself painful biopsies. You buy yourself leap and excisional procedures on the on the uter- on the cervix. And if it if that isn't sufficient, you end up with a hysterectomy, a radical hysterectomy, or worse, you get cervical cancer. Now granted, I don't mean to say all this to scare you into buying HCC. What I am saying is that there are plenty of things you can do that that is short of pharmaceuticals and surgery in order to take care of a pesky viral infection. So go to the medicine podcast, go to their medicine cabinet Enter code BELOVED10 and you'll save 10% on Immune Intel HCC. I take it every single day and I'm not worried about HPV. My wife and I have never tested positive. Um, well, we really don't test men. We test women. But if a woman has it, she either got it from a previous partner or from their current partner and just keeps coming back because that person isn't taking care of themselves. I take this because it does all of the other incredible things for my body. 
including helping me with sleep, balance my immune system, and keeping me strong. I mean, like there's all these viruses floating around. And if regardless of whatever you think about it, viruses are not like a new thing. Like it sucks to get a viral infection. So support your immune system in all of the ways through diet, movement, sleep, mindset, breathing, hydration, etc. And for a very reasonable price, you can start supplementing with something that has been clinically demonstrated to help the body clear cancers. So that again is the Medicine Podcast. Go to their medicine cabinet, check out code BELOVED10 and you'll save 10%. Last but not least, Bioptimizers makes one of the best sleep aids on the market, Magnesium Breakthrough. If you have uh, restless nights, you wake up either feeling groggy or you just struggle to fall asleep every night, go to magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN. The code BELOVED10 will be applied automatically. You save 10%. If you buy three bottles or more, you're going to get some extra goodies to help support your gut which is related to literally everything else that I'm promoting here. You see, there's a trend. I'm trying to give you a toolkit to make yourself as healthy as possible, whether you're in the fertility journey, you're pregnant, you're postpartum, you're transitioning through menopause. Maybe you're a male and your female partner, and you and your female partner are trying to optimize your health early in parenthood, whatever it is, we've got everything here covered. Bioptimizers makes mag breakthrough, great sleep aid, And if you buy three bottles or more through the website that I will be uh, linking again, I just said it, but I'll link it in the show description. You're going to get some of their mass zymes. You can get some of their P3OM and some of their HCL breakthrough. Mass zymes is a digestive enzyme compound in capsule form. You take two of those or three of those with every meal. It helps to break down the large chains of proteins and polysaccharides in your diet, helping to maximize nutrient absorption add P3OM in there, and now you're supporting your microbiome so it can actually do more of the work of of breaking down your food and maximizing nutrient absorption and also supporting a healthy gut lining, which is where 70% of your immune system lives. Hint, hint, think back to Organifi and HCC that we were just talking about. Lastly, if you buy, I think it's five bottles or more through that link I just sent you, you're also going to get HCL breakthrough, which adds acid in capsule form to your stomach so that your food is fully digested before it passes in the duodenum. If it isn't fully digested, it doesn't go to the duodenum, which is the first part of your small intestine. It goes up back into your esophagus, and you get what we call reflux, or gastroesophageal reflux disease, which presents as heartburn, chest tightness, etc. Your doctor will say, got to block that acid, and they put you on a PPI or Pepsid for like 15 years, which doesn't help because your issue is not too little acid, it's, it's, or too much acid, it's too little acid. So nine times out of 10, I get people onto the onto something like HCL breakthrough. It's that's my go-to. Um, I get them off of their Pepsid, off of their omeprazole, etc. And then eventually we get them off of the HCL breakthrough. But for that transition, which can be months, months long, we get them on HCL breakthrough and then we can transition to occasional HCL breakthrough with some lemon juice or apple cider vinegar to their vegetables, potatoes on their steak. And they're medication free. They're they're way they're they're digesting their food way better. They're maximally absorbing nutrients and they're feeling and living their best life. So again, that's magbreakthrough.com slash holistic in order to try mag breakthrough and get some goodies while you're there. All right. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my new and very dear friend, Emily Abbott, former CrossFit champion, former basketball phenom, student of acupuncture and the sensual athlete. Emily, welcome to my show. I'm curious, 
what have you done with this woman who I used to see on TV lifting heavy things and running around with like boulders on their back and everything else? Where did she go? Or is she still here and she's just wearing a different hat right now? Mm, what a good question. I feel like in completely different iteration. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like I went through the birth canal of life um, and was squeezed out a new human being <laughs> and was on Bambi legs for a while. And, um, but now I've found this, this beautiful sweet spot where I honor that boulder carrying desert running, you know, crazy lifting lady, <laughs> but with beautiful feminine channel that's yeah. just as strong, if not stronger. Um, and now I found this incredible spot. And it's this middle path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way of the Tao. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's um, the lion's roar. You know, it's it's um, a, it's a return to my epic womanhood. I love, yeah, I love hearing you speak. You and I have become quick friends in very short time. Um, I don't exactly know why the universe brought us together. I mean, I know why, but I, it's funny how these things sort of happen, these synchronicities, because I had known your name through the CrossFit world. I was a CrossFit trainer. I did it for years, ended up in adrenal fatigue like many other people, and uh, had to slow down, but I've maintained the practice without mm. without venturing you know, to like, I want to be the top in my region or whatever else. And um, I can say for sure that the work you must have put in to becoming an incredible athlete is something you must apply to every other aspect of your life. So what you're working on now is what we're going to be talking about today. But if anybody wants a little glimpse, just type in Emily Abbott CrossFit and you will see a host of pictures of one of the most dare I see sexy, strong, athletic women you've ever seen. So there you have it. That's, that's our guest today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nathan. And yeah, you know, I would say that that woman, that athlete that I think we all have, maybe that's the driver in us. Um, I've had to learn how to ask her to sit down very tenderly, very lovingly, <laughs> but she's not in the driver's seat. Yeah. 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 So it's been a, it's been an interesting journey, uh, making friends with, with that woman. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's a really nice way to say it. A lot of people look back and regret, like, I can't believe I spent all my time doing that. For me, it's like the medical training process. I was yeah. that person. I'm not really that person anymore. I study hard, but I'm studying in a different way now. And instead of looking back and regret or remorse or guilt and as to how I spent those years, I need to really embrace that person because they allowed me to become who I am today and to apply perhaps that intensity switch whenever I need it, which I still got. And I know you've still got it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that it's, um, it's something that you can fall back on when, you know, things start to, when you get pushed up against a wall, maybe a little bit, but also I love working with female athletes because yeah. there is this tenacity, there's this relentlessness. Um, and when you start venturing into the realms of the feminine, yeah, you're going to it. Yeah. And yeah. That's why I love, you know, it's not all just orgasms and roses. There's some like deep things um, as you open up deep channels that you're opening up. Sure. And as you enter into this paradigm shift. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, something that you've said to me before, and I know you've, you've repeated yourself in the past, this, 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 um, there's some language around transmutation of your athleticism and strength. And you were like a, a basketball player and everything, right? Like you've had a whole life of athletics behind you. 
you have now mm. transmuted, mutated. I'm using your language, so correct me if I'm if I'm misparaphrasing, but transmutating that into sexual play and knowing yourself. Talk a little bit about what you mean by that. In other words, like you said, the intensity you brought to your athletics, how could that possibly apply to how we we talk about sex and intimacy and play? Mm, great question. So, I mean, most people know my story. Like I was, you know, tested positive for a substance in CrossFit, absolutely heartbreaking, worst nightmare for an athlete. And I was really put up against a wall. Like I had nowhere to turn to. I couldn't blame anybody else, but look within. And so I went on this world journey and um, that I went through this void of like, okay, my identity anymore isn't athletics anymore. Like it's, I don't know what I am. I am in this limbo of uh, uncertainty. Mm. And I remember arriving in, in India and just like, there was nothing else to do but to sit with myself. Hmm. And so, and I can remember um, what, as I began to, my ego began to unwind, I started to, I started to glimpse into uh, a softness within myself. And then I discovered pelvic work. I got called to um, pelvic work in Oregon with Tammy Lynn Kent. And that was my first time receiving like a, I guess an embodied pelvic massage. I had received a yoni massage before, but I was like so numb that I, it didn't really like make sense to me. Uh, but when I started to connect like past emotions, my lineage, the maternal line, my paternal line, and get into the embodied work of the psychedelic portal of the yoni, that is when I saw like, oh yeah, this is it. <laughs> and, and I knew it was just like, oh gosh, wow. Um, so I all that tenacity I had used like to discover how to snatch 195 pounds of my head, um, how to, you know, shoot, uh, you know, really 50%, 50%, let's say 30%. Um, it's 50% today, 50% today. We're going to give you 51% actually. <laughs> yeah, that's how good I was. You know, it's like, if I can learn that skill and I can do incredible things with that and I can take myself to incredible places, I was like, there's no reason why I cannot understand this space. And it was hard. It was not always easy, but then it, it, it became this voracious, passionate obsession of like, oh my God, there is this alchemical container in between my legs and mm. I am the owner of it. I'm the owner of this body, this vessel that's been gifted to me. And so I showed up for her every day in always I just kept exploring and kept searching and kept seeking and um it's such it's been such an amazing journey that has brought me into this iteration so yeah I this is why I say I love working with female athletes and I've had the chance now to work with um a few female athletes namely one that's um in the MMA world and it's been really beautiful bringing her into like that uh like with her tenacity with her commitment to her self, um, bringing her into trusting the feminine, trusting her female experience, but also trusting her infradian rhythm, her natural cycle, and how to become a performance-based athlete while still honoring the feminine. And this is where I think there's a niche and 
a very much a needed one, female athletes understanding their body on a deep, deep level. Yeah. Because the conditioning for a female athlete is so damn deep, yeah. which is something we can go down on or another tangent we can go down on. However, when I started to discover this sweet spot of, okay, yes, I can go into my pussy. I can explore. I can rehydrate that tissue. I ha- I can experience and explore different erogenous zones and create pleasure. Mm, now I can pull that energy up through my body and begin to uh, use that in athletic endeavors or my great vision for my mm. life, the prayer for my life. And so I really started to discover these things, knowing that the deeper I got with my body, the more she directed my energy. And I was unifying these masculine and feminine channels, which as we know, when you do that, you can almost start moving beyond those binary terms. Yeah. And I discovered through that, that gnosis of my body that I actually don't need to drive myself, that inner driver that was operating out of the wounded masculine because I needed to achieve, accomplish and perform in order to receive love, praise and attention. I began to uh, tell her to sit down. And as she sat down and I, you know, the more expansive me came through, my body began to heal. I began to feel way more energy. I look younger than I do now than I did when I was 11% body fat and in the height of my extreme CrossFit career, you know? So yeah, there's so much, uh, it's coming into alignment, right? And that I would say that is true health. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to get deep into a conversation around personal touch. It's something you brought up yesterday when we were sort of preparing for the interview. One thing though, that did come up for me as you were speaking about this is that you were, you were speaking through the lens, sort of a generalizable lens of these extreme, extremely competent, very strong athletes, these female athletes. And then you also brought up this, the, the, through the lens of the binary, which almost makes it seem like you need to pick one or the other. And, and I, I don't want this to be a super softball question, but I know it's going it's, it's something you've noodled. Let's talk a little bit about the masculine and the feminine, because you also used this incredible phrase, which I think I'm going to have to steal. You said that your yoni was the a container. What, what did you say? You said it was alchemical container. an alchemical container. And in the same breath, you, I think, appropriately identified it as a portal. So we consider birth, this, a baby emerges, you, through your archetypal transitions from maiden to queen to crone, you are emerging and rebirthing. And there's this old you, so to speak, and there's this present you and this future you after you go through this next transition. So I want to talk a little bit about what is the role of the masculine and feminine as we move through these transitions. And maybe you can even start by, as an athlete, what if you had asked Emily Abbott 10 years ago, the feminine or masculine, if you asked her, which one are you more of? Like, how would you have conceived of that? And how would you look back on that now and, and answer that? Oh, such a good question, Nathan. And so I actually have a memory of, I was at a basketball tryout for this provincial team in Canada. And it was the second day of tryouts. They had run us really hard the night before. And the head coach came up to me and it said, uh, Emily, how are you feeling today? And I answered, honestly, I was like, oh, I'm actually really sore from all that running. Um, you know, my calves are on fire. And I answered completely just like exactly how I felt. And he said, 
why did you answer like that? And I, was, I said, what do you mean? He's like, you don't tell me how you actually feel. You tell me that you're ready to go. And, and I just like remember, and, and I didn't make that team. You know, I got cut. Um, and I can remember that memory and that maybe came up actually just a couple of weeks ago of how deep I was, how that conditioning, that story was bred in me that I cannot be honest about how I feel because my feelings were not my friends. Uh. They're actually something that was um, going to uh, expel me from the tribe, from the expel me from high achieving, from the athletics, from reaching my highest potential. And so (laughs) that was the basis of my operation for the next, my whole athletic career in terms, same with basketball, same with uh, CrossFit is this, I was operating out of the wounded masculine and I as well, like in the same, um, on the same level, when I growing up, my models of femininity meant to me, non-freedom. It meant that I had to uh, act a certain way. I had to like keep my legs closed on the playground. I had to wear skirts. I had to maybe stay back in the kitchen, um, and make food when I wanted to like, that's what it, it, uh, looked like to me. Yeah. You know, my mom would well we got to go on adventures and to me that was just like oh my god I never want that I saw women who were tired who were exhausted and just not feeling good it's like the examples of womanhood even though my mom is an incredible woman and I love her um but my examples of womanhood were like I was just like nah I don't want that so I'm going to do everything I can to build up to not be that yeah yeah so I was like running away from that powerlessness so I built up a shit ton of power Mm. and I literally armored myself to move through this world because I wanted power. I wanted influence. I didn't want to go back to that state of powerlessness that I saw a lot of the feminine operating in what my perceived, uh, my conceptions of the feminine. And so I definitely made a choice. I made a choice to operate in that space. And, um, you know, my nervous system was completely blasted out like adrenal fatigue, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. It took me to places that were incredibly unhealthy. Mm. And I would say that the last couple of years of my CrossFit career were incredibly unhealthy because I had no sense of boundary. I could emotionally endure and physically endure more than anyone. And I actually like kind of got off on that. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it was, I chose, I chose a, a specific path until my body, all left sided injuries, And my relationship, like super not healthy in any way. Um, All And then my CrossFit career just like smacked me out with a spiritual two by four. (laughs) Spiritual two by four to the throat. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And I say like the the feminine just chewed me up and spat me out. And thank God. But it was like I couldn't ignore all these these abusive ways I was living my life anymore. Yeah. And... um, it's so funny because with this work I do now and I try to speak to this, like my soul five years ago. And if you had asked me that question, I would have been like, what? Oh, like rolled my eyes because the feminine, like the feminine just meant everything I didn't want to be, but I didn't realize that I could cultivate my own sense of an expression of femininity. Mm. It was far more powerful than what my, um, ego perceptions were of that femininity. 
Yeah. I mean, you answered that as well as I imagined you would have, because I think we really struggle with this in our society. You know, we see, you know, of course now with, with, you know, the conversation around transgenderism and non-binary language and all this other stuff, the, the conversation's even getting muddier. But what this really, the essence of, of what, what you and I are speaking about here, because I don't want anybody's, you know, feathers to get ruffled unnecessarily. What we're talking about is not the role of a man and a woman. What we're talking about is the perception of what is expected of you, given that you're a little girl. And this is what little girls are going to grow up to do. So instead, you embraced the masculine. And we all have masculine and feminine within us. It really just depends on which of those are you being incentivized to nourish. And you found that incentive structure in through your athletic programming and conditioning programs and strength training that really was incentivizing perhaps masculine traits. Again, this is not about male and female. This is about the, the mountainsides versus the water running between and the water being the feminine, the yin, the mountainsides being the yang. And in our society at large, most women are devalued if they can't play the game through the lens of the masculine. The issue, I think, within, especially with what you were doing, and I see this happening all over in biohacking, and it's like one of my big pet peeves. First off, I don't even like the term biohacking because like you're not biohacking. You are, you can't polish, <laughs> you can't polish a turd. You have to take care of yourself. You can't just go to the body shop and get a new paint job and expect that the car is going to, you know, drive another hundred thousand miles. Not that we're cars. I hate that metaphor too. But the, uh, the, you know, when a, when a woman comes into, let's say a, um, a biohacking retreat or something, we're going to do the same things for every man, every woman, every child, no matter where you are in your cycle no matter where you are in your life cycle, this stage of life, we're just going to push your body to do this thing because somebody on Instagram told you to do it. But what it sounds like to me is it required the same um, confrontation that I had to experience with my adrenal fatigue to realize that there is far more nuance here as to how I'm pushing my body to do things. And I am curious, later in your CrossFit career, did you find that like you could only, you had to exercise harder during different parts of your cycle or did your cycle stop entirely? So I'm lucky. My cycle never stopped. I got off birth control when I was hormonal birth control when I was 24. Um, but I still had no idea about cycle, like training around my cycle. That was never a conversation. And I can remember feeling like horrible PMS and like, emo like so many emotions and my coach would be like, well, it shouldn't be that bad. Should not, your period shouldn't be that bad. And that was all I was told. There's never really a conversation about like support. And I can remember, yeah, maybe there was a conversation once about like, you know, taking, like eating more of progesterone boosted, like uh, nutrition, but it was never the conversation. And within the CrossFit circle, there's never that conversation. When I tried to bring it up, most of them would be like, oh, I just take the pill and override like my periods. And, but that just, just like, didn't feel right to me. And it wasn't actually until I experienced getting pregnant and then having an abortion that I was like, oh my God, I, there's this whole untapped information here of my own internal rhythms and wisdom. And it took like, you know, a scar, a wound for me to, uh, as the doorway in to that wisdom mm. and really tapping into my regenerative cycle and actually how we make it so complex, but it's when you have more 
with our like self-gnosis, it becomes really seamless. Yeah. And you know, you have this frame of reference and this is the back to the masculine and feminine. Most women, like for myself, I did not have a frame of reference. I was only living one way, which is like eyeballs up. And in that kind of victimhood mentality and um, kind of cause and effect. And um, there was no frame of reference of like what embodiment actually felt like. The only time I felt that was when I was running really hard on the air runner or like had just lifted a big weight. And I was high from that because I knew like where all my body had to be in order for that to happen. Um, But there was no... I had no sense of what embodiment actually felt like. And once we start to understand that, okay, now we can shift back and forth like a light switch, like subspace to dom space, you know, it's like back and forth between each one. And when that happens, when you can actually move between two different energies, now you're creating that Tai G, right? Like that unified whole, there's actual movement, there's flow, you're entering into the great river of life. But when you're stuck in only that one plane, there's you're stagnant. And that definitely was reflected back to me in my body in the Soma. Hmm. I'm glad we're talking about this embodiment piece, because as you've, you've journeyed out of that, and you've found healing, you've been rebirthed, you've used all of this beautiful language, I know that now you're pursuing acupuncture, you're pursuing a lot of pelvic, you know, floor and, and energetic work within, um, you know, the, within a woman's, you know, body, but you're, you're working with some of the subtle energetics with some of the modalities you're using. You said something to me yesterday that I, I really want to, really want to focus some time on. And this, it, your story strikes me as at some point you, you realize that, oh, I, ha- I, I needed to like learn how to touch my body. Mm-hmm. as a part of uh, becoming intimate with oneself before we can actually show up in the world as an embodied person. Why is it important that a woman learn how to touch herself? Mm. Oh, yeah. I, why is that important? There's so many, I mean, there's a physiological element to that. There's a structural and then there's also the emotional spiritual. Um, but basically I was always, I was deeply yearning for like love and tenderness and like incredible sex. Mm. Um, but I actually like, and for my whole life, I kind of like scared people because I have such like a powerful presence. I have a big energy and an incredibly ambitious woman. Um, and so I was, I was yearning for this outside of myself. I really wanted like love. I wanted, uh, affection. I wanted like yeah, amazing closeness, just like we all do. And so I thought I found it in this partner and I became almost like addicted to the drug of how he could make me feel. And that led me into places where I was self-betraying all the time Mm. in order to feed that, to make myself feel that again. Just like in CrossFit, I self-betrayed my body or overrode her signals in order to get that high, get those endorphins going. And so it was, it was mirrored in my relationships. And so when I realized like, oh my God, okay, like like, this ended horribly. Um, I had no choice but to like feel my body. And it like, it felt numb, like, especially like a post-abortion, like I could, I would feel my arm and I wouldn't really feel anything. Um, And so I began the journey of just gazing at or looking, using a hand mirror to look at my vulva. And even that alone was just like, ugh, brought up so many like feelings because I always thought she was ugly or 
that I had like a weird vagina and um, you know, that's just like the conditioning that most of us in like the porn based world, like mm. grow up in. Um, and also I was such a performer. So everything was a, a performance, even sexually. It was mostly about his pleasure and me just making sure I felt or looked perfect um, during like a sexual encounter. And, oh gosh, I can even hear myself. It's like way up in my chest yeah. when I talk, now, yeah. right? Um, so then when I began to be like, okay, well, there's something about, like, I want to reclaim every part of myself and I'm going to commit to that by being like becoming my own best lover on every single front because this next person that I call into my life it's going to come from a place of being so full I want to find this I want to find God within me I want to find God within my legs between my legs and that's what I set out to do and the more I did that the more I came back to like just even holding my face and like rubbing my neck and rubbing my chest. And now I'm getting, you know, getting into breast and yoni massage, um, vulva massage, and then going internal and taking time out of my day to give myself that, like, let's say that oxytocin, like feedback of like, just being touched. And instead of being like, oh man, I just need to get laid Hmm. or I'm just so horny. It's like, well, perfect. I'm going to go make love to myself, like the queen that I am because I'm my own best lover. And then I began to buy myself flowers and like make beautiful um, arrangements for dinner for myself. And that became just this practice of being coming into bringing all of my attention inwards to attune to my inner signal. Mm. And when that happens, I started to access what's truly alive in me. And what is that? That's embodiment. I know what is alive in me from moment to moment. And when a woman can do that, Now she is not operating from a place of, oh, I hope this like safety path will make me more safe. I'm just going to marry that man or I'm going to take that job. I hope I can, you know, it's it's this very um, uh, scarcity mindset kind of living into, no, what's my vision? What's Mm -hmm. the path of my life? You're becoming, you're accessing this portal of desire. And that is the feminine, it's desire for desire's sake. And so personal touch can, it will change your life because (laughs) it changed my life. And it's still when I feel icky or I feel um, like I'm carrying somebody else's energy or um, I'm in my late luteal phase about to have my menstruation, beautiful. I'm, I'm creating so much flow and so much energy and so much like, um, let's say blood flow back into my yoni and more lymph flow back into my pelvic floor um, that I'm just constantly nourished by my own self. And then from there, you are opening up your own channel of reception. And from that place of aliveness, things begin to just magnetize to you. You don't have to reach as much anymore. I can still be ambitious and driven, But I also have this channel of like, I'm just going to relax and let things come to me. And that all started through my own personal touch. And in working with women, Nathan, um, that is the one thing I see is like this starvation, starvation of their their own personal nourishment. Mm. And I just want to like, I want to let everyone, woman know, like, again, this is like a skill or an exercise that you build. Like the first time I touched my vulva, the first time I touched my vagina it felt gross the first time I touched my cervix 
it was gross. It was like running after not running for a really long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over time, right? You're creating, you're dusting off those neural pathways, and you're starting to come back into yourself and remembering what a, a sovereign human being you are, and that like this body is the gift you've received, and this is the body you will take your last breath in. So you you have to know it, and that is your way out of any type of uh, like enslavement mentality. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's the gateway. Hmm. It's the portal. Were you raised within a Christian household just out of curiosity? Yeah. My mom was raised Catholic. So she always brings in that Catholic guilt, but, and my dad was like, totally, he's an atheist. Oh, okay. So kind of <laughs> go to church, but then my sports took over and, you know, sports became church. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, but definitely, I would say that we're all, we all, uh, whether unconsciously or consciously, we all feel the effects of the Judeo-Christian, Bingo. you know, uh, let's say culture within the very fabric of what we live and breathe every day. Yeah. And that is separation from spirit and body. The body was profane, gross, not to be messed with. The church took control of the spirit, as you know, this. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got this podcast that it's it's out now. By the time this one is is out, people will can listen to this two to three hour diatribe. It's just me talking about like four to six months of research and reading and note taking and organizing to help people understand how we got from ancient Sumer to our modern industrial complex, our, our medical industrial complex, and the real theme that runs through this is how women have been devalued over time, and they're devalued because. You know, you must be a nature trusting heretic in the in the in the the words of Wendell Holmes Sr., who I think later became the the dean of Harvard or Hopkins, one of the two. Um, a nature trusting heretic. There's that word heretic, which keeps coming up over the ages, and that heresy is it's almost like in, inextricably linked with a woman's magic. And I say magic very intentionally here. Mm. As as our com- cosmologies changed, you you have this polytheistic or or even like an androgynous or bisexual or very feminine deity being like the supreme source, whatever you want to call it. And at those times, of course, women were honored for being women. But then over the ages, the church and state gained more and more power, and especially the Protestants and Catholics, as these, these, this diaspora of this cosmology spread across the world, we didn't even want to cut into bodies because the body was so intimately linked with the spirit, the soul, etc. So it wasn't until like the mid 18th century, after all of those years, ancient texts from Greece and Rome and Sumer and Denmark and, and, and Germany, it wasn't until like the mid 18th century that we finally said, ah, I think therefore I am. Thanks, Rene Descartes. We could then separate spirit and soul and all of the immeasurable stuff from the very, very obviously measurable. And if there is no harm in, in cutting into a body because we're not going to disrupt the soul, now we can really explore what's going on inside the heart and everything else. The issue with that, though, is that if women are inextricably linked with the divine, with nature, as they always have, then the immeasurable is, in the do- is, is for these other disciplines and medicine being the tool of the ruling class, especially white, you know, elite white males. Now that was their domain. And so we've, we've become divorced from the spirit 
and from the soul. And, and now women, yeah, you can come into the church, but you're going to have to also realize that you're unhygienic, that those sexual desires, that carnal lust, you're going to have to put a, a damper on that. Otherwise, you're cool to hang. And I do think that this history really permeates our culture, whether, like you said, whether you, you want to admit it or not, we are all, our society is really constructed through the lens of this very, uh, I don't know, perverse Judeo-Christian worldview. And so to have a person who hasn't ever touched themselves and they've got, let's say, a minister father and the Catholic, Irish Catholic mother or whatever, now they're going to stick their hands into their vagina and explore touch the cervix, feel what it, what it feels like inside of you. That just sounds like heresy. I mean, there's, it's the, the work of witches, like, oh, how disgusting. (laughs) Disgusting. I know because yeah, the body is disgusting. Mm. It's the eyes of like what we've been brought up in. And I love that you talk to that because, or speak to that and I can't wait to listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I started to trip out because I, I read the Magdalene uh, manuscript. Yeah. And when I started to dive into that, I realized like, oh, my God, like no wonder society tries to blanket. We Well, they try to uh, over-sexualize, hyper-sexualize, but then emotionally, emotionally lid our culture. And so we're like, shame like women walk this impossible line of too much and too little and it's like this unconscious bind that we're all caught right. up in all the time and so damned if you do damned if you don't kind of thing exactly yeah. but I, I say go the way of the heretic like be the woman in the woods you know crying out bezelbub bezelbub because it's like <laughs> like listen that, like you are magic you are nature we are representations of that yeah. and the more that and there was an alouette elder um he said that uh, when women remember the sacred vibration within their own womb something new will be birthed into the the world yeah but biblical terms i think it's i forget which verse but it says there's nothing new under the sun mm. of course you've completely dampened the spirit of half the population. Yeah. And when I began to connect with my pussy and understand how magical she is and like the power that I have, that I have to wield very carefully, by the way, which is why you need a strong masculine to be able to hold all of that. Mm. Um, When I look around, I just see the disconnection of like, you know, I, I look at all these women who are just, bear like heavy from like the weight of the medical system yeah the weight of their mothers and what they went through um it's just like it sometimes it's overwhelming because yeah. i'm like you one pussy at a time could be like completely transformed just by you coming home to yourself and the last thing i'll say is i have this friend alex durgan and she messaged me and she's like she works in uh, womb health. She owns Origin Pelvic Care in, in Denver and or Boulder, Colorado. But she said, Emily, my vulva is Mary Magdalene. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, look at it. Like when I look at it and if you look, you know how Mary Magdalene's like oh, yeah. this, like little pose? That's, she's literally a, a vulva. Her like, head is like a little clit and she's got the clitoral hood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, and like then she's holding her hands and the clit is like right here. Uh-huh. Oh, it's in her hands. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> and then you start seeing all the Mary Magdalene's. You're like, oh my God, it's the 
vulva. So it's like the, it's funny because, you know, Catholicism grew to really snuff out and um, make the woman's body profane. But I feel like there's these beautiful little images uh, throughout the Bible and throughout like, uh, well, throughout the images of Christianity that's like helping us remember like, yo, your vulva, this is the power right here. Like Mary Magdalene was an initiate of um, the sex magic of Isis. And she knew how to move sexual energy. She knew how to command her own sexual energy and use it with JC in such a beautiful way to create and not give up on the beauty that is right here, right now. There's no Shangri-La down there. It's Shangri-La can be right here, right now. Mm. Begin to open up those channels and flowing like life is making you happen. You're not making life happen. No one else is giving you life. Mm. Life is making you happen. And it's been lifing for millennia. And we are gods in like mini meat suits. Mini meat suits. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, I want to, you know, in, in my, my research here, I found a really compelling, it was a translation from a script that I, I don't even know, but, you know, the, the fact that birth took place between the source of feces and urine showed God's disgust for the birth of yet another sinner. That, that sort of captures, I think, the damage done to the divine feminine or, or even just the exploration of, of femininity, divine or otherwise, by programming us to see this as not something to be honored and worshipped. But then again, you see this like these iconic images like you just brought up, and and it was no secret. I think people knew it. It was yeah. a it was this cognitive dissonance over the millennia to ignore that. And that remembering process, I think, is really the at the heart of what you do. You're not really teaching anybody to, how to do anything. You're actually giving them permission to, to get to know thyself. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've ever heard um, or seen any of the Shalina gigs. No, I don't think so. They're like these little over all these Irish churches. There's these little like um, figures and they're like opening a pussy. They're like these little emaciated figures that are opening a pussy. And they're all, they're spread all over these churches in Ireland. And they're ancient. People go in, on tours to find these little guys or ladies. How do you spell um, it? I'm going to look at that real quick so I can... Elena, like S-H-E-L, I think L-A-N-N-A, and then gig, Shalena gig. Shil- oh, yeah. Shalena gig. There it is. Shalena gig. I'm probably butchering. Oh, like, yeah. So. There it is. And it's like, here I am. Yeah. Look at and what it, I got. Wow. Cool. Well, I'm looking you know, it up right now on, on Google, the Google machine. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. I think that, uh, though, you know, from what I've read... And like through my my meanderings down into these thought realms is or thought forms is that perhaps we came before this like current patriarchy we are in perhaps we came from a matriarchy and maybe that was unwielded you know sexual feminine power that was just so big and for modern man to emerge or like civilization to shift that had to be brought under some kind of control because when you start tapping into um, your sexual energy, it's endless. And like a, for a woman, she can continue to receive pleasure endlessly. And that can go into the realms of hungry ghosts, you Mm. know, and that can go into the realms of, um, you know, Kali, there's that destruction there. Um, There's death there. So it's really, (laughs) 
um, perhaps we are moving now into the epoch of integration, which is, okay, we've swung the pendulum far on both ends. And now it's time to, again, come into these unified channels and have a very healthy masculine and a flowing feminine and be able to like move those energies in between. So, yeah. Yeah. I I think to your point about the the matriarchal society, obviously we don't know even a lot about ancient Sumer and ancient Denmark and whatnot, where a lot of, you know, uh, shamanic traditions were being carried forth. There's not a lot of written language, you know, from those time periods, but even way back before that in like stone caves, I think Southern France, um, uh, the Ona of Tierra del Fuego um, in South America, there's plenty of evidence that there was a violent overthrow. There's like female figurines that are just smashed in there. And like the way that the the, the scenes were, were sort of excavated, there's the thought that, that there was just at some point, it probably was gradual, but at some point men in, in understanding this magic and maybe not knowing their own role in reproduction, for example, it was so confronting that there was perhaps a violent overthrow at some point mm. where men just officially said, you guys, we're going to be in charge now. <laughs> I like to not think that, but uh, certainly in my research from ancient Sumer up till now, there has been a systematic and systemic, uh, very determined drive to get women to take their place so that men can roll over. And I think a part of that is that how do we can't wield magic or we don't know that we can wield magic. And here's a clear demonstration of magic every day when a baby's coming out. Mm. So part of that is like, it's not a magic. It's just physiology. It's not a spiritual unfolding. It's not a transformation. It is, it's a medical procedure. You know I mean? Like all of that language plays into that, you know, the doctor delivering the baby, you know, as opposed to the woman as a funnel for this creative force of the cosmos and, yeah. and, and, and giving birth to the universe itself with every birth, with every baby that comes out. I mean, like that's really the language that I want people to start considering because this whole like medical, you know, pregnancy is a disease and all that stuff doesn't really fit what, what women are experiencing in birth. So they're finally women are sort of like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go and give birth in the woods and like, let it roar and, you know, power, more power to them. <laughs> yeah. And I would say that I would say even with sexuality studies, like I just reread Emily Nagoski's um, come as you are beautiful book. You know, she's a Kinsey Institute researcher, I read it, I remember five years ago, got a lot from it, reread it now, still love it. But I'm like, wow, she's still placing boxes around something that like my experiences, sexual experiences, the more that I've delved into this magic within me has completely blown the lid off of everything that she's saying. And so that's, yeah, the work that I do is putting that back, women back in the driver's seat of their own experience and knowing that you can experience anything that you desire to experience, just like I remember when I was like, hey, I really want to learn how to have a, like an Amrita like squirting orgasm. <laughs> so I like went back to, I was on a walk and I was like, I'm just going to go figure this out. I went back to my room. I lit a ton of sage and I just like went to town on myself for like 45 minutes. And I just kept saying like, let go, like you can let go. And then I felt my fingers inside of myself. I felt my yoni changing shape around my fingers. And then I, I just unleashed and I can remember like crying and laughing and being like, and whooping and just like, Oh my God, like I, I figured that out, like how empowering, you know? And it was, and then I could be able to explain that to 
uh, my partner and like understanding my nerve bundles, you know? So were you able to actually explain it? I mean, that sounds like a pretty ineffable experience, almost like a psychedelic experience. Were you actually able to explain it? Or was he sort of like, you know, eating like his cereal or something and was like, what? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, it's funny that my partner at that time was just like, you messed up our bed. And (laughs) (laughs) what happened to the wallpaper? It looks terrible in here. (laughs) And like, I didn't have that level of trust with that, that partner I had at the time. Sure. Um, Heart wasn't open to him. Um, But the, the man I'm with now, Rob, yeah, we were able to be, I was like, Hey, like when I am, when I'm, um, when I've given myself, uh, like squirting orgasms, this is the position I was in. And like, like, why don't we try that? But with your fingers and see like how that goes. And then we just started unlocking doors to the point that I'm like, you know, just when the feminine, which is, it can't be conquered, which is so ironic that we're talking about how the, you know, this powers that be are really trying to always subdue the feminine, but you cannot in any way. You'll always, yeah. Um, It's like trying to control a river. Like, good luck. Like, you can't push or pull a river. The river's going to go where the river's going to go. I mean, nature is nature is way more powerful than we than we give it give her credit. (laughs) I know, right? And so, and yeah, and you know that. So, I forget what I was talking about. Squirting, um, ejaculation on your sort of in a position, and Rob is open to it, and. Um, talking him through it. <laughs> I'm talking him through it. Um, yeah, I, I guess I kind of forget the tangent I was on. Um, oh, that it's on, oh, that the feminine is not comparable. And so just when I'm like, oh yeah, I think I figured out all my erogenous zones, boom, the feminine will bring you deeper into oh, yeah. the pleasurable experiences that you're like, whoa, yeah. what was that? And yeah. so it's this really fun adventure that if you our courageous, you know, mama bear or courageous female athlete or um, a woman who's just curious, dive in there, get, get very, you know, become a pussy explorer and you will find incredible things. And then the other thing I always encourage women too, that I've noticed who have gone down this journey, they don't want to talk about it Mm. because they're scared of what their conservative family will think. They're scared of what other women will think. And I just want to let you know that the more we need you to give voice to this, because the more that you do that, you give other women permission to do just that. And by me exploring my own sexuality, I have healed things within my family that I did not think was possible. I like relationship with my father, the father. And I love that you have that podcast. I can't wait to listen to it about the father daughter relationship. A sexuality comes online. It's so bumpy. Yeah. So it's like, I've been able to talk about my, with my dad, how important this work is and what it's all about. And same with my mom. And so talk about it. You'll be surprised. And it's those points of that you're terrified to talk about that are like so thrilling, more thrilling than, uh, you know, 300 pound deadlift. (laughs) That's cool. But this is way cooler. Way cooler. Wow. Well, man, um, let's get into... Well, I, I have one more question about this topic. What do you say to women who are, you know, and, and let's pause for a second. You are also studying acupuncture. You're in, you're studying actual body work as well. This is not just, 
Here's Emily's guide. This is also something that you're incorporating into your practice, you know, as a more comprehensive lens around female sexuality in the pelvic floor. So that'll be our next thing we, we bump into. I do want to ask you, though, when a woman, you know, you hear that a woman hasn't had an orgasm or can't have an orgasm, what is the, you know, if you could say it's one thing, I know that's probably not fair, but what is, where does your mind immediately go to? The, an anorgasmic woman. Mm-hmm. Immediately that to me goes to someone who's in like a protective, self-protective mode. Mm. And, that, but anorgasmic with a partner or anorgasmic, like just with herself even. I guess that's a, I guess that's a really important distinction. Um, I think some people struggle with even having orgasms on their own, but probably more so with their partner. So maybe we can talk now a little bit about how to bring this, this, uh, the importance of personal touch and getting to explore your body as a, as a means of, of developing better, greater intimacy with your, your, your person. Yeah. And intimacy into me, I see. Right. And Ah. it's like, when we even have, when we make love with a partner, what are we really finding? We're finding more of ourselves within that experience. You're experiencing God. Hmm. Uh, divinity, as we know, you know, it's through your partner's eyes. They're, they become almost like that representation of God. And yeah. so when I can look at myself and make love to myself. I'm seeing more of me. And you, it's like you become floored at your own beauty, at your own beautiful version of beautiful sexy mm-hmm. and every woman has the capacity to feel this energy it's not how you look it's not down the road when you lose this weight or whatever it's it's right now it's right, right now. here mm. that completely change uh, how you experience yourself in the world yeah man all right let's get into some of your other work because gosh I, as i expected we're already 50 minutes in Let's talk a little bit about some of the other things, especially since you are an athlete. I think breathing has been a big problem for people for years now. I mean, there's a lot of incontinence. There's a lot of this other stuff. There's a lot of pain with intercourse. And one thing that's even missed by people who wear white coats, who do what I do, is that they forget all about this pelvic floor and the sort of intricacies of how these muscle systems connect with one another Let's talk a little bit about the pelvic floor, maybe in some, maybe incorporate some breathing, your knowledge about breathing and, and, and the, the diaphragm, et cetera. Can you just take that yeah. and maybe run with it <laughs> before I stumble over more words? <laughs> There's so acupuncture, I just, when we get, if we have time to go down the acupuncture realm, like it's so beautiful for women's health and like the, and breaking up stagnation oh, yeah. in the pelvic floor. Yeah, back to that question is um, breathing. A lot of women are doing something called paradoxical breathing. So they inhale and their belly goes in and then they exhale and their belly goes out. And that's actually, usually they're in a sympathetic state. Mm. For more, like sympath- Sympathetic state, of course, we, we need it to get things done. But that's someone who's maybe perhaps uh, more in a trauma response than not. And so um, we have, apparently we have three diaphragms. I didn't know this. I haven't studied the throat diaphragm. Mm. Apparently there's one, but I have to look into that. But we have our diaphragm just beneath our lungs. And then we have our diaphragm of our pelvic floor, which the levator ani of the pelvic floor kind of almost lift up and look like a little diaphragm. It's not necessarily a bowl. Um, It's more of like, yeah, a little diaphragm. Mm -hmm. And 
what happens is that, so we have this canister of the pelvic diaphragm and the lung diaphragm and the, we have that diaphragm moving up and down the lung one, but the pelvic diaphragm isn't moving uh, properly. And so this just creates more stagnation within the pelvic bowl because it's not getting, it's not ever getting oxygenated, which could then lead to uh, hypertonic pelvic floor muscles. And it could lead to uh, decreased blood flow, like I said, and decreased lymph flow and maybe even decreased transudate because the, the, the minerals are like the wetness yeah. of the vagina. The proper potassium, sodium, you know, uh, channels aren't being, it's just basically a, a big dehydrated uh, mess. And we just need to open her up and uh, begin to love her again. And so um, what I, women can do right now is just holding a finger on their perineum. And when you take a deep belly breath in, you should feel that perineum push into your finger. Yeah, even men can do this too. And then as you exhale, that perineum should come back in slightly to the body. And so you can do that in like a yoga warrior pose. Um, but if it's not moving, not to worry. What I love about doing this work, like pelvic work, is that the, the tissues respond so quickly mm. just with your attention, with your awareness, and with your own touch. And so um, if, that, if it's stuck, if it's jammed up, you're not getting your full capacity of breath. Right. And, so women can start, and this is what I teach is that I teach, uh, like vulva massage. I teach, um, how to take care of even the, um, obturator internus, your sac, the sacrotuberous ligament, the, um, coccygeus muscles, like all of that, the deep six, uh, all the, uh, gluteus muscles beneath like the glute max. Yeah. Um, so stuck on a woman. And there's just not enough freedom there. And so just by doing like, even right now, like women could start doing some pelvic rocks or pelvic circles, like that alone creates, (laughs) no, I'm not just keep talking. (laughs) uh, That alone creates movement and flow. Um, And uh, you know, not sitting back, on the sacrum because there's important nerve roots and um, arteries going through those sacral foramens and, you know, giving information into the pelvic bowl. Hmm. Um, So it's really important to like come back to the ischiums and sit up nice and tall um, and start deep belly breathing into this area. And that translates, that has huge performance potentials for any female athlete who's a long distance runner or is, creating intra-abdominal pressure before a big lift. Like if you can fill that up and really hold space in that canister, yeah, you're going to have a lot more athletic potential. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, of course, you know, we've got all these muscles in the pelvis and I, you know, you talk so elegantly about the, the pelvic floor, the, the elevator ani, for example, which is probably way more than just three distinct muscle groups, but it's, it's kind of a confluence of all this muscle tissue that wraps around the, everywhere from the vulva to the ischial spines, back to the sacral promontory, creates this sort of bowl um, within the pelvis. And if any of those muscles, just like in a finger, if a finger, one of the muscles in your hand starts to become a little tense or spasmatic, you might get like a little trigger finger, or you might end up with whatever, you know, you know, whatever. I mean, there's all sorts of things that can happen with muscles, but in the pelvis, you've got all these muscles as well. And one common thing that I'm finding is it could present as a bladder symptom. It could present as incontinence. 
And that, that is, you know, or pain with, with penetration, you get the one muscle on one side, one little strand of those muscle fibers starts firing when it shouldn't, and it shifts everything off the midline. So it's not so much the muscles are being, that your organs are falling out with prolapse or whatever. It could be that your pelvic floor is in a state of dysfunction because one muscle is super flexed and the other is super relaxed and it just isn't in balance. So when you go in to the pelvis, and I haven't done this for a while because I don't actually have like a brick and mortar practice. If you're paying attention, you can feel that like, oh, those muscles there are like rock hard, like you were flexing your butt muscle. And those shouldn't be rock hard right now. There's no reason for those muscles to be flexed. But do you think that part of, uh, you mentioned breathing a lot. I thought that was great because do you think that part of the culture of having flat abs and standing in a certain way with your boobs out and your butt out and all this other stuff, do you think that that conditions women to sort of lean into pelvic floor dysfunction without even realizing it? Oh, absolutely. Like, um, I think that, uh, like this is why I love acupuncture because yeah. you really focus on the pelvic girdle and balancing it because even like a scoliosis can stem from an imbalanced pelvic girdle. Sure. Um, but yeah, I would say it goes, I come from the athletic realm. So I'll speak to like a woman who deadlifts all the time and who's just like a diehard CrossFitter, you know, mama wants to have those flat abs like throw that out the window. I am here <laughs> and my pelvic floor has dynamism, right? It can relax and open fully like a flower and then close up. And that is where pleasure comes from. That is where health and vitality and robustness comes from. Yeah. Not from the flat abs and like you know, very small percentage of body fat. Um, that's not going to, I often wonder about women who are in that space because I was only ever experiencing like a little like vibratory clitoral orgasm. And the more that I like started to rest and <laughs> realize my body doesn't need to do that much physical exercise. Um, and the more that I began to experience an opening, like not only in my pussy, but my heart and my voice and my vision and so it's, it's not necessary to have rock hard glutes, really tight, low ab being sucked in. And I, I totally think that women don't want to have like these, these bellies walking around, but like that in like different cultures, that's completely revered. It's a sign of fertility and health. Sure. So you can find a sweet spot here in North America with that. But I am astonished when I do hands on hands in work at this level of stagnation, I feel in women's pelvises and no shame on or judgment on them because I was there too, Yeah. but it doesn't have to be that way. And gynecological massage was actually a practice up until like the turn of the century when it was like, oh, okay, well, this doesn't make money. Interesting. Because, <laughs> because if a woman has, uh, you know, like for example, a tilted uterus right now is like, women come to me and they're like, oh, the doctor said I have a tilted uterus. Like it's a life sentence or a <laughs> retroverted uterus. Yeah. Um, it, it, it runs in my family. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like those, all those things through manual therapy can be, re, your uterus can be repositioned. And when you feel the uterus like pulse back into position, it's mind blowing. It's like, all I had to do was like coax the external, like, um, like broad ligament and cardinal ligament. Well, I don't think they want to call it cardinal anymore, but it just coaxing back into position. And I've had um, practitioners do that on me 
And when you feel that uterus come back in, it's like, boom, that channel, which in Chinese medicine, we call the Chong Mai. Is just oh, like yeah. Penetrating vessel. You're just like, oh, yeah, I'm back, baby. <laughs> you know, and my cervix is like in like arrow alignment, like just it's just on point. And then I'm on point. And I can speak more clearly from my heart and oh, yeah. body. And my, you know, when women have, feel that uterus come back into position, whether it's retroverted, flexed, or tilted, um, they're having way less pain with periods. They're releasing what they need to release because their uterus doesn't have to contract so hard to yeah. move out that blood. So it's like manual therapy, huh. and this is the the course that I'm I'm teaching in the fall is like, I want to put that power back in the woman's hands. They're the, these are the most exquisite piece of technology that we have, our hands. And you can go inside and begin to assess your own tissues and understand what's going on with your body and then go seek care when you're like, hmm, that feels like a little funny or I need, like for myself, I need, I know I need to receive yoni massage every once in a while because I'm still lifting weights like and rocks and, you know, I'm still an athletic acrobatic person. So this is, this care should be taught to every young woman of puberty, you know, her first bleed onward, but it's not. And then women are, are really suffering because of it. Like I don't, there's not one woman in my life that I've met. That's like, yeah, I'm like, I have great periods. I have great sex. Um, I feel really good about being a woman. It's like, I don't, I, it's rare for me to find that. Yeah. We're, I think we're, a, we're a far cry from that. Um, I think the, the best we can do in middle school for young girls who are, you know, just starting their, their, their cycles is that we tell them, well, now you can get pregnant. So stay, steer clear of an erect penis because that's, that is the, that is the highway to someplace you don't want to go instead of really, you know, teaching women, young women who are interested, especially if they're interested in how this anatomy works. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm involved with Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein's film now. I was at a screening um, in Austin. I helped organize it with my friend Peyton, who wrote that ebook that you brought up earlier, She Becomes. Through the, just sitting on a panel for that film, you realize just how little is understood about female anatomy alone, let alone yes. the impact of some of this physiology and then I had guys coming up to me afterwards, like, I've got four daughters. The first just had her first period, her first bleed. And I have no idea what to tell her. I don't know what to do. I want her to have good, you know, to be prepared for womanhood. But there's really nobody out there to do it. So it's, it's or nobody out, there are people out there to do it, but we don't seem to have a place for that in our society, despite this being perhaps the most cost-effective and perhaps wholesome way for a person to really care for themselves. It's just, we're so far removed from that, but it is, I feel very optimistic perhaps that some of your work and, and some of this other work is going to start hitting its stride. And um, for people to understand that, like you don't need surgery and pharmaceuticals. You just need to get to know yourself a little bit better. And um, that would just be so powerful. That's powerful medicine for our society. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I remember not too long ago, I spoke, I did like a little webinar with my old basketball team um, back at University of Windsor in Canada. And it was stunning to just, I, I actually, it's kind of overwhelming because I'm like, oh my God, like they don't know anything. Yeah. Like they don't know anything. And like, all they know is that their moms 
drag them into the doctor's office to regulate their hormones with hormonal birth control. Yeah. And that's all. They and they're like, well, and it's, it's distressing because, um, you just like wonder what, what's going to, what is it going to be like in 10 years? And in acupuncture or in Chinese medicine, like it is known that hormonal birth control ca causes massive stagnation in the body. And you know, there's so many like fertility implications to that, as we know, and we can go into that whole tangent. Um, but yeah, just even the, the knowing of herself yeah, and the knowing of her sexuality and I, and the knowing of like how sacred that energy is. And even young men, you know, young men are taught about, um, cause I can remember when I gave my first tantric massage to a woman, it was so scary. I was scared because it is like this, the feminine body is like a total mystery. Hmm. And, but she was able to express to me like what she wanted and how she, what, how she, she was voicing what she liked and what she did not like. And I remember that experience being so much more clear for me. And then I was able to kind of like get into a flow with her because uh, she was able to express herself. And I just think about all those like men, young men out there who are just like, again, we shroud or step over this like pleasure side of sex. And then they're searching to outlets like porn um, to discover things. And then that's what they, they carry into any of like their first sexual experiences. And um yeah it's yeah yeah right yeah like, damn, we got to do a better job we can we are going to be doing a better job of um explaining the pleasure behind sexuality and how beautiful it is and the reverence you can have and um i think it, a lot of i've heard in european countries young women are they do talk about pleasure a lot more um i'm sure it's a lot more forward thinking uh, which would make sense. It's just, let's bring that over to North America. Yeah. Something that came up for me was that we also, we all know that women are sexual beings. And, you know, men, we have permission to be sexual beings. And we say, hey, man, come on, keep it in your pants or whatever. Women, it's, you know, obviously through the Judeo-Christian Christian lens and, and all of the other stuff we talked about, that's a that's an you know, something that we had just have to cope with and move forward. But there's also, you know, even outside of that maidenhood into the queen archetype, you know, once you become a mother now, you're not expected to want sex. You're not expected to have any desires around that because now you're a child. Now you take care of the children, you know, you're not expected to. And then you graduate onto the crone into your older age. That could be the time that you're most sexually liberated. You don't have to worry about pregnancy anymore. And you've had your children. You are now free of a job, perhaps even. But you've been conditioned your whole life to not explore your sexuality. So, you know, for anybody who's listening, it's like, why is this on the, on the OBGYN podcast? Well, it's because our health, sexuality is, is, is extremely important to our health. And if we're not exploring that and feeling safe and, and, and comfortable exploring sexuality for ourselves, with our partners, etc., there's a big, there's a big void there. And, and like you said, pornography fills that void. If we can't go out and have a responsible relationship or consensual relationship with a, uh, you know, a person that we, you know, would, would, could become intimate with, we explore it in other ways. You can't just put the cap on this and expect that it's going to go away. So it's yeah. almost like, it's cliche, but it's like, if you can't beat them, join them. Like, I think we've determined 
that it's not okay for people just to be told not to be sexual, whether you're a child, whether you're in the queen archetype, or you're in the in the um, in the crone. And I'm not saying like six year olds guys don't twist my words. I mean, you're 14, 15, and you're starting to have feelings about certain things, um, whether you're a little a, a young man or a young woman, and you're not allowed to explore that responsibly until you're prepared for the consequence of getting pregnant. And that's damaging us. It's tightening our pelvic floor. It's making us unable to really open up and connect with ourselves, with other people. And, um, and it shows, it shows in the work that you're doing, I'm sure. It does. And I'm always curious about like, you know, what had I, what would I have done differently to like understand this information? And I do think the way our society set up that like even your twenties and your, your late teens are all a time of you're figuring out the metric pressure of like your risk fitting in yeah. um, where you want to go with that. But I was so unconscious with all of my sexual explorations and usually under the guise of alcohol and, and drugs, yeah. right? Because I really just wanted to become um, uninhibited. And uh, that would like did not work out well for me for a lot of those times. And like, I've done the work of like forgiving myself and going into my yoni and clearing out maybe the men that I let inside of me that were not, uh, did not have my heart uh, mm. held in their hands and not, and that doesn't always have to be the case, but um, this work, you know, I see women in like the birth world talking about, oh, like, you know, in your last couple, uh, in your last trimester, this is a good time to start massaging your, um, your perineum mm. and your maybe pubovaginalis. And I'm like, let's make this a lifelong practice. Yeah. Like, why don't start connecting now? You like when you get pregnant, that shouldn't be the time, the first time that you're connecting with your your womb space yeah it's like no let's bring in like more pleasure and openness and space here and hydration to these tissues and then see what happens um when we get into that queen stage and you know most of the women i work with especially hands-on hands-in work are in their 50s 60s and even 70s and it's so cool to see a woman make that connection between like her mind and her yoni for the first time and be wow. like oh whoa and then knowing that like oh my god like you mean pleasure gets better as i age and teachers have told me this that like even the there's like a something called the one o'clock line on the cervix that becomes more sensitive as you age like you have women have greater capacity for the under feeling the subtleties of pleasure internally as you age like it only gets better and so that's at least what I've been taught. And so I tell these women, like, massage, use castor oil, massage yourself, like, explore. It's not over. Like, hydration can be there. Like, get things flowing. And imagine if we have this conversation at every stage of a woman's journey, like, there's going to be so much, like, these women stepping forward and really inhabiting and, like, creating power and influence in our culture from an embodied place. Whew, that's power. Yeah. Alpable. Yeah. Yeah. It, women of all ages, it's, you have permission to, to be sexual beings. It doesn't end when you have a baby. It certainly doesn't end whenever you are transitioning through that, that stage of menopause. Um, I just had, I just talked to Christian Northrup today. Um, I did an interview with her and 
thing. Gosh, the, the, you know, the, the embodiment that she represents in just her own journey coming through the lens of allopathic medicine and speaking in a lot of ways that you are, but also there's this, this, this thread of, of re of, of rebirthing and then getting to know this new you. And, mm. you know, even in her story, I, I don't think she would mind. I'm, she, I'm sharing cause she said it on the podcast, but you know, leaving a marriage because at that stage in her life, it really, it wasn't serving her anymore. Like these are confronting values for our, again, the Judeo Christian sort of lens that we've all been conditioned to see the world through. But I think as a, to wrap it up, I think, I think one important takeaway, I mean, apart from the many things that I've, I've Googled and put on my little checklist of things to read about is that we need to embrace sexuality. We need to be more in touch with ourselves physically and otherwise. And we need to, um, we need to show up in the world in a way that is authentic and give other people permission to be authentic with us. And only then can we really get into those nooks and crannies and finding out who we are and why we're here. Mm -hmm. To not give up on the beauty. Yeah. I will not self-betray to give up on this beauty. Like I will not, I will always pursue beauty and truth. And for me, uh, venturing into the realms of my own sexuality and my own understanding of my body uh, from a, a feminine lens, from yeah. a feminine perspective, has given me so much freedom and um, understanding what true sovereignty means is yeah. understanding your body. So I just would always in, encourage women, like I know this can be kind of a triggering topic or confronting topic because like maybe it initially like creates a, a feeling of lack, but I want you to know that it's just, a, that's the initial conditioning. And beyond that is a curiosity and a tenderness and an openness that is all ready for you to inhabit and to claim. And the journey lies with you and between your legs. Again, it's, it's, it's empowering to know that you have it all right here. You've got everything you need right at your fingertips, so to speak. And um, it's also probably somewhat scary, right? There's nobody there to save you from yourself. This is, this is really a, a personal journey. Um, thank you so much, Emily. Um, I know that we could go on and on and on, um, but we've already, we've gone for over an hour. I usually don't even make it there. How can people find you and connect with you if they want to, if they want more Emily? Yeah. Um, I also, I would just like to say I'm in service of the feminine body. So, and mm. you were saying that, you know, I'm helping people remember we're, we are part of this, like since 2012, like the, the feminine energy really came back online. And so there are so many women waking up uh, to this work and I'm merely just a part of that, that flow. And so I'm in very much deep service of the the divine feminine and the power of the divine masculine and us meeting together. Uh, so you can find me on my website at um, emily-abbott.com. And I'm also on Instagram at emilyannabbott, a uh, very Canadian country girl name. Hey. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I work with women in person, online, and I'm also offering a course, a three-month immersion uh, called Hammer of the Goddess, A Return to Epic Womanhood. <laughs> yeah, and that is starting September 12th. It's going to be an incredible journey of you discovering more and more of you, and I'll be the mirror. Wow. 
Okay. Well, we will definitely link that for everybody. I appreciate you so much, my friend. Thank you for spending some time with me when I'm in San Diego visiting Mr. Paul and Angie, Miss Angie and Miss Penny. I will be swinging through and we're going to go grab some snacks and handstands on the beach. How about that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let's do oysters. Oysters. Oysters You got it. You got it. That's my aphrodisiac friend that I also, (laughs) interestingly, I have all of my fertility clients, all of the men are all eating three cans of oysters per week. Does remarkable things for the juices, so to speak, of the reproductive system. Absolutely. Nathan, I so appreciate uh, who you are and what you're doing in the world. And thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. Anytime. We'll do a part two at some point, but it'll be after I visit you and we get to actually hug in person. Let's do it. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much for for showing up with such an open heart, open mind, and being really willing to just be vulnerable in this space. I think going from a, a top-tier premier athlete um, and looking then inward and working, putting those same powers, the same diligence towards becoming more comfortable with our sensual side, that inner voice, the inner self, I think is so important and I don't think it's modeled very well for us. So, so thank you for shedding some light on this, on the show. Um, if you want to find Emily, go to Emily spelled the normal way, hyphen Abbott, dot com. You'll see everything she's up to. Um, you can follow her on Instagram, etc. I'll put all those sh- the links in the show notes here. Thanks again to our sponsors. We've got fit for birth, go to f- get fit for com slash beloved. You'll save 20% on personalized coaching for pregnancy and postpartum through the lens of exercise and nutrition. Or if you're a coach, you want to deepen your toolkit. You can go there at that website. You'll save 20% for all comers on any of their offerings. Immune Intel HCC makes a specific compound um, from mycelia, the mycelia of shiitake mushrooms. It helps to support your endocrine system, support your immune system, and specifically for my female clients, helps to, you to clear persistent HPV. Combine that with a healthy lifestyle and yoni steaming, and you've got a a great recipe for clearing HPV, not having to worry any anymore about it, and also just supporting your body, your general health. That's why I take it every single day. You can go to the Medicine Podcast, find um, their medicine cabinet, add some immune intel to your to your uh, basket there, use code BELOVED10, and you'll save 10%. Bioptimizers, try their magnesium breakthrough. I guarantee it's going to help you get to bed earlier when you want to go to bed, and it'll help you wake up feeling less groggy so you can hit the ground running the next morning. And if you go to magbreakthrough.com slash holisticobjuan and you buy three bottles or more, you'll get some extra goodies from their uh, gut health and gut support medicine cabinet. <laughs> so again, that website is magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN. And lastly, Organifi. I can't recommend their gold enough. Turmeric, functional mushrooms, all sorts of goodies in this evening brew, which you just add to some water and then blend in some heavy coconut cream. And man, you've got yourself like an evening latte to sit down and watch your Netflix. And maybe you're not going to chill. <laughs> maybe you're just going to go to bed tonight. That's okay too. But you're going to be going to bed and you're going to have so much just goodness, you know, coursing through you. Um, This is one of my number one preferred drinks at night. 
And you can try it. Go to Organifi.com slash Beloved. You'll save 20% on anything in the store, including their protein powders, their green juice. We haven't even talked about their green juice yet since the sponsorship. Um, but you can go and explore there. You'll find all kinds of goodies. That's all for today, guys. Remember, we're a 501c3 providing uh, 501c3, excuse me, providing educational content. If you want medical advice, you can go to my practice website, BelovedHolistics.com. I've got a newsletter. I've uh, I've got a private association, which is really the way you get into my practice. You join the PCA, then you get a, access to my menu of services. You can buy one-off consultations or save a lot of money by buying a package of time with me. And I I definitely prioritize my package clients because. I'm one person. I just don't have enough time to see everybody that needs me um, nowadays. And I also have a, a collaborator program. If you're a midwife in particular, a health coach, check practitioner, I've got acupuncturist, naturopaths, et cetera, and you want an MD consultant on your care team, medical director, whatever you want to call it, for a very reasonable monthly fee, I'll be there for you anytime you need me. So that's all available at belovedholistics.com. Support our sponsors so we can keep making the show. You can support my practice doing that, and that also helps helps me continue doing the work on the podcast. But lastly, if you haven't left a five-star review on iTunes, what are you waiting for? Or Spotify. Go onto your smartphone supercomputer. Go to iTunes. Go to Spotify. If you leave a five-star review, you have no idea how much that helps us over here at the show. So those are all ways you can support the show if you like what I'm putting down. If you don't like what I'm putting down, send me a message. Tell me what I can do differently. I want to support everybody in this journey. And um, I'm having a lot of fun doing this. So thank you so much for tuning in. And please check out Emily Abbott's work, our guest today. My, um, my, my guest on the next episode, 87, is Rachel Veratimos. She creates, um, she has an amazing story. She comes from a background of being at like fat camp when she was a kid. That's, those are her words, not my words. But she said it was fat camp. It was like um, heavyweights, that movie. And you come out of that and some people develop even worse relationships with food. And she describes that as a part of her journey. So her journey from childhood on has been to learn to eat intuitively. And that's what she does. She hosts retreats for women specifically in order to lean into what is my body calling for? What am I craving right now? Why am I craving it? And that is really the key to healthy eating. Instead, we, we, we treat our stress and our anxiety and our whatever with anything that's nearby, any, any free calories that are, that are in, in, you know, around in the, in the cupboards and whatnot in the house, as opposed to just stopping and thinking, do I want this or not? And our friend Paul Check, I mean, I see, you see him do this every day when I'm, when I'm over at their house. He'll like close his eyes, check in, and let his soul guide him. Do I want this meat or this meat today? And then he makes a decision, and that's what he has. And, he, and it has served him. This is very, very simple, and everybody can learn how to do it. And Rachel's there to teach you. So um, I'm super, super stoked about that interview. I, guys, I'll see you next time. I'll see you next time. Episode 87. We'll see you in a few days here on the Holistic Obituary Podcast. Take care. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien.